1: Home improvement has never been this much fun.
0: Hello everybody and welcome to this hour of today's Homeowner Radio. Danny Lipford here along with my buddy Joe Truini and during this hour we're going to talk about a few electrical mysteries. I know it's a little early for Halloween but we've got a <laughs> few we've got a couple spooks in the house we've got to figure out so we're going to talk about that and speaking of Halloween we're going to be in the aisles of the Home Depot to announce many of the fun and scary decorations that they're offering right now at Home Depot. Also we've talked a lot about how to repair cracks in a concrete block foundation. And when to call in the pros, we're going to talk to a homeowner that's a little concerned about the movement that's taking place in her foundation wall. A lot of emails that we're going to share with you as well. And of course, Joe, what about that simple solution?
2: Well, Danny, we've often said that we have more painting simple solution than any other kind. I've got another one for painting neatly, directly from the can. Sometimes, you know, it's you have a brush and you have a, just some touch-up to do so you can paint directly from the can, but that can be messy. So I have a simple solution how to make that job go a lot more quickly and more neatly.
0: Well, that'll be real handy for those that are trying to spruce up a little bit before the holidays. So look forward to hearing that in just a few minutes. We've got a lot of information to share with you, but we want to help you with your challenges. Send us an email anytime, todayshomeowner.com slash ask, or you can pick up the phone and call us 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 800 946 4420. We got a lot of great recorded calls this week. We're going to jump on one right now and take one of the calls we got from the hotline this week.
3: Hi, my name is Nancy in Michigan, and uh, we've been in our house five years. It's a Cape Cod built back in the early 50s with a full basement. Um, The basement is dry, except we're finding Uh, When we moved in, we painted the walls, and the south side wall, and I believe the wall on the east side, the paint is continually bubbling up, and we also get what looks almost like a rust color and sometimes uh, black, which I think could be some mold. Um, We don't have moisture on the walls that I can feel, and there is no puddling of water on the basement floor. I'm wondering if there's any product we can use on those walls. I would like to get them uh, painted and looking nice, uh, but I need some advice on that. Thanks so much. Love
1: your show.
0: All righty. Thank you, Nancy. I appreciate that. Um, well, you know, uh, one of the little pieces of information I wish we knew on that is whether or not she was talking about concrete block walls. Um,
2: or I, poured concrete.
0: Right? Yeah, you know, or poured concrete either way. And uh, not unusual for over a period of time that a little bit of moisture makes its way through that wall. It doesn't take much in order for latex paint to peel off, which is the right kind of paint to use. But in a situation like this, um, I think, Joe, what we um, would normally recommend is go ahead in any of those areas that are bubbling, go ahead and sand or scrape those and get every bit of that peeling paint off that you can. And let's assume that it is concrete block or poured concrete. After you've done that, you want to make sure the wall is free of any dust or any, you know, cobwebs or anything like that. Then come back with two thin coats of Drylock. It's a UGL product available at Home Depot and many other places. Make sure you follow the directions on it. And it's available in latex now. It used to be only available in oil. I would apply it not just on the problem areas, but go ahead and waterproof right. the whole entire area. And I think with minor seepage like they're talking about, it usually does a pretty good job of, of eliminating any of that bubbling.
2: Yeah, that product's been around a long time and it's been proven. And Nancy said that, um, you know, the walls don't feel like there's any moisture on it. There's no puddles on the floor. And that's fine, but you'd be surprised how little moisture it takes to create this problem for to either blister to paint or to create mold. It doesn't have to be water pouring out of your wall. You know, it's very little and maybe it doesn't even happen year round. But so, yeah, I think that would be the best advice is clean off as much as you can. You know, if it's any paint that's blistered on this surface and this goes for any surface you're repainting, you have to remove all the paint that's loose down to the bare surface, in this case, concrete or concrete block. Um, but yeah, that UGL product, um, you know, is the product to use. In fact, they have very little competition, actually, because they work so well.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely. But that should help you out with that, Nancy. And thanks so much for your call. Let's head back to the Today's Home our hotline for another call. Hi, my
3: name is I'm from California. And my question is, how do you get duct tape glue off of floor carpet in the house? I had uh, carpet runners and the indoor outdoor carpet. I don't know how to get the glue off of the, uh, the uh, carpet itself. And uh, I'll be listening. Thanks for
2: everything. Yeah, I, I didn't quite hear that. He said "There's, there's Duct tape glue on carpeting? Is that what it was? Yeah,
0: duct tape residue that they had some runners. I guess they had some runners that they taped right. down oh, okay. um, to um, another piece of carpet. And then when they took the runners up, you know, I guess they're worn or dirty or whatever. And right. the the glue residue there. Um, From boy, the duct tape, right. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a tricky one because, um you know, to, to try to put any kind of solvent that's going to melt that is going to... You know or dissolve it, it's going to kind of dissolve it into the carpet potentially. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think I would go with the goof off or the a goo gone and try that in a small area to see how it reacts. Yeah. Um, but boy, that's going to be and even you know, maybe having to take like a you know, a carpet comb and, mm-hmm. you know, work yep. through as much as you can on that. Oh, boy, I, I can see a lot of a lot of time and possibly some uh, selective words being used uh, in order to, to get that <laughs> yeah. taken care of. That's just, uh, that's a tough one. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I, that would be my concern as well. I mean, I've used Goo Gone and Goof Off and it does work, but I'm not really sure what it's made out of and whether, you know, I've never used it on carpeting or any kind of cloth, so you'd have to check the label or contact the manufacturer. But I would first start with either rubbing alcohol, which would not you know, damage the carpeting in any way, even white vinegar. And afterwards, you might have to come back with just soap and water if it works. Um, but be aware, if you get this off... You're probably going to have a strip of really clean carpet, yeah, you know? know, so you might want to then come back, even if just buy one of those cans, I forget what they're called, but a can of carpet cleaner and you just spray right. it on, it foams mm-hmm. up, and then I think it, you scrub it, then you vacuum it or whatever. And those, those work pretty well, but yeah, I, I wouldn't use anything like a, um, like a solvent-based, you know, like acetone or anything like that, because I'm not sure what it would do to the carpeting. But, you know, another
0: thought is possibly to call um, a carpet cleaning company, not somebody that does it on the side, but like the Stanley Steamers or somebody like that. I'm sure they've had uh, some situations like that, and they may have some kind of industrial strength type of material that can help get that off. And then once you get it off, then probably a good time to go ahead and clean all of the carpet just so that it is nice and clean and ready for the holidays. Let's grab one more call from the Today's Homeowner Hotline.
4: My question is I have a nine-month-old ceiling fan, and it has a remote control. This ceiling fan is turning itself on and off by itself. (laughs) There's a wall switch that controls the the power itself, and when that switch is on, the fan will just randomly turn itself on. So this just started happening. We can't figure out if it's the remote control. Uh, The wall switch also controls a TV and other things that are working just fine. So oh, here's the mystery: a fan that is uh, has a ghost in it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she said that so matter of fact. I have a yeah. Well, it is a Halloween is coming it, up, right? so. Yeah. Yeah, Halloween's right around the corner. Well, Joe, I would have to say that it's either the remote or the fan itself. The wall switch is not going right. to uh, to do that, and not really sure how to remedy that. I would certainly call that manufacturer because it might be as simple as reprogramming, starting the default over again in order to right. do that. But um, I've never done that, and I've I have heard of the I've heard of garage doors mysteriously opening, closing, and you know, um, I've never really talked to a. Garage garage door person that could tell me how they come up with so many random codes because it seemed like a bad guy could drive through a neighborhood with a, a handful of remotes and open up the garage doors. But there's got to be something safeguarding that. So the likelihood of this van being turned on by your neighbor is probably pretty remote um, opportunity of that. But uh, I think I would start out by calling that manufacturer.
2: But I would check the dip switches in the remote and in the receiver, dip switches, those little teeny tiny switches, they all have to be on the same code. So if it's 134 in the remote, the receiver and the fans, the dip switches have to be 134 one, as well. So you could check that.
0: Hey, thanks for all of those calls to the Today's Homeowner Hotline this week. When we come back, more calls and more information to help you have the best looking house on the block. You're listening to Today's Homeowner
2: Radio.
4: Today's homeowner is brought to you by PaveStone, creating beautiful landscapes. And by Quickrete Cement and Concrete Products. It's what America's made of.
0: And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. Danny Lipford here along with my buddy Joe Truini. And we want to say a special hello to this station that's been with us quite a long time in Vero Beach, Florida, WTTBAM 1490. Great station, great group of people that run that station, and we appreciate you airing the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. We're only going to be on the air for about another, uh, I think about nine weeks, uh, but we're going to continue packing in as much as we can and certainly want you to reach out to us so that we can help you with any challenge that you might have. Today's Homeowner.com slash ask is where you go to send us an email and to jump on the Today's Homeowner hotline 800-946-4420. That's what James from Oklahoma did. And James, uh, welcome to the show and uh, tell us what's going on around your house.
1: Hey, Danny. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Well, um, I had a, a construction problem or a, or a renovation, I guess, with my old uh, house built in 1968 Run across some electrical issues um, usually, I guess in the past, I've been used to having uh the power come into the switches, and then you turn the switch on the light comes on well, I run across and some of the strange wiring in this house where they have the power running to the light, and then to the switch so when i turn it on it works but when i turn it off it's also hooked up to a receptacle and it turns off the receptacle and everything on the same line is that something i should be concerned with or i mean is it normal or back then normal
0: well, that's exactly right. Back then, it was fairly normal. I've renovated a lot of bathrooms and, and uh, that's one of the things that homeowners say, please, can you do something about that? Because you have to turn the light on in order to use you know, your electric shaver or your yeah. curling iron or a hairdryer or anything else. Or a lot of people have you know, things plugged in all the time, whether it's their electric toothbrush or things like that. And, um, but in most cases, it's very easy for an electrician to pull that switch or to pull that outlet and make that change right there without having to run an additional wire. Sometimes they will have to route a wire from the switch over to the light. Um, but a lot of times it's just a simple little fix. So I would find an electrician that does a lot of residential repairs and so forth. And, uh, and let them come over, it probably be pretty easy for them to make that switch. Um, and it's something that they've done many times, I would bet.
1: Yeah, okay. That sounds good. Yeah, I don't want to fool with something like that. Um, it's a little bit out of my wheelhouse. <laughs> I don't yeah, want right. to cause any problems.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I don't blame you. It's one of those things you have to do every day uh, in order to you know stay up to speed on it and, and so forth. But, yeah, electricians should be able to take care of that, and hopefully they won't have to run another line. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, thank you. Okay, our pleasure, James. Hope you have a great weekend. Okay, you too. Thanks. You know, Joe, it's funny uh, when you think about the small bathrooms and, you know, how they used to say, well, if you got a bathroom, you got to have a window, and if you have a window, you don't have to have an exhaust fan.
2: Right. And
0: how how crazy obsolete that is right now and and this situation. Like, why would they do that? Why would they have the – I can't quite understand the the reasoning why they would have – that when you turn the switch off, you're essentially turning all electricity off to that bathroom. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know the reason uh, for them to do that in the first place.
2: Yeah, it's not. I don't think he needs to be concerned about it. That it's no, uh, You know that's going to cause it a fire or something like that. But a little inconvenient. On the other hand, how often do you go in to a bathroom? And you don't turn on the light, and well, you decide true. to blow yeah. dry your hair. I mean, that yeah, probably doesn't happen. So unless mm-hmm. you're shaving in the dark, I don't think this is really an issue. But he's right. Ordinarily, an electrical box has power in and power out, and typically that happens at the switch, not at the fixture, not at the light. But it can happen. I mean, you could certainly do it that way, and apparently that's how they did it at James's house.
0: Okay, we got a number of emails we want to try to get to okay. here, and encourage you to send us one at today's homeowner. dot com slash. Ask This one came in from Carson City, Nevada. Patrick asked, I once heard you offer a solution for sealing cracks in concrete block walls and in drywall, but I don't recall what you suggested. I recently found several small cracks in the concrete block foundation of our newly purchased split-level home, and there's a crack in the drywall of our master uh, bedroom coming out from the doorway. Anyway, I enjoy listening at work on Saturdays to your radio show, and will miss hearing the show when it Goes off the air in December. Well, Patrick, we appreciate those kind words. So let's see if we can help you out here. First of all, on a concrete foundation, any cracks in that can be a big problem. Um, Generally, some of the telltale signs of that is if the crack runs vertically, if it runs through a block then that is considered more of a serious settling issue versus one that follows what we call a step crack that followed the actual mortar but does not cross through the block itself. That generally is not considered a settling crack. Now, that's just kind of a screening. It still can be a problem there, but you want to make sure to take a close look at it, you know, Joe, what I saw an engineer do one time, which I thought that? That was interesting, is to take a small piece of glass like you use on a microscope that's, you know, maybe three-quarters of an inch wide oh, yeah. and two or three inches. I've heard of this. And they yeah. would glue that over the crack. Yep. I mean, glue it right on the crack. Yep. Then you keep an eye on it. If the If the glass cracks Slots, or splits, the slide,
2: right. then yeah. it's
0: moving and yeah. you have an ongoing foundation issue. If you look at it, you know, a month or so later and it's still intact, that means something cracked along the way, but there's not movement, which makes it, you know, nothing more than a cosmetic problem. So that seems kind of a crude test, but that, that could also be done. But um, either way, you can fill that crack up with a concrete repair caulk. And if it is expansion and contraction type of crack, crack this will have enough elasticity that it'll um, you know bend in and out. Now of course the drywall crack um, doesn't necessarily point to settling but when you have one there on the corner of a doorway then probably that door is going to start being a little stubborn to use. That's right. That might be an indicator that there is some movement going. I wonder if we shouldn't recommend to Patrick on this is maybe to get that structural engineer out that knows a lot about residential just for that good peace of mind.
2: Yeah. You just want to make sure that these these cracks in the foundation walls and the drywall aren't connected to the same problem. It sounds to me like it probably is, but they could be separate. You know, Maybe there's just some kind of shrinkage or settling in the framing and that's causing cracks in the drywall. I suspect there's a major settling problem in this house. And only an engineer could look at that and tell you. Because um, we could certainly tell you how to patch all those cracks, but it's not going to solve the problem really. And that's that's really the main issue.
0: Here's another email that came in from Franklin, Tennessee. Beth writes in, how do I get rid of discolored grout around shower tiles? I've tried all kinds of different mold and mildew removers that just don't do anything. The discoloration isn't very bad, but a little annoying. Thank you in advance. Uh, well, what do you think, um, that, you know, the, the, the product that I never can remember the name, RM."
2: RMR-68 or whatever RMR, it is.
0: RMR, yeah. yeah. Um, I got to say, that's some
2: good that's stuff. That's a mold I mean, and mildew killer. Yeah, right? yeah,
0: I have used that a number of times. Um, of course, what else would you recommend to Beth in being able to, to really go after that grout?
2: Yeah, it's RMR68. I just looked it up because yeah, I always okay, forget. Good. They, yeah, they got to give it a no, more normal name. Um, yeah, I know. Well, if, if it's just discolored and dirty from you know sediment and water or soap or whatever, um, there's a company called Zep, ZEP that makes a great line of professional products that mm-hmm. um, are available to consumers. Home Depot sells almost all their line. And there's one specific one that I thought of called Grout Cleaner and Brightener. And it does mm-hmm. exactly that. You basically spray it on and scrub it off. But what I would recommend is you can buy for like five dollars, you can buy these scrub brushes that mount to a drill. Cause even in a oh, small yeah. bathroom oh, yeah. or something mm-hmm. or a small floor, you got a lot of grout to clean and do it. You can certainly do it by hand. They make yeah. grout brushes. But I would use um mount this drill. For like five bucks, you can get three or four of these brushes and mount them in a drill. You spray it on and then you scrub it off. If you want to try a homemade solution, you can mix hydrogen peroxide with oxygen bleach for a paste. Put it on with an old toothbrush, wait a few minutes, and scrub it off and rinse the surface clean. That, That usually works as well.
0: And we're talking about a nylon brush, not a um, a wire brush.
2: Not a wire brush, no. Not absolutely a wire brush. Right. You
0: don't want to get that aggressive on it. But that should um, any of those solutions should make that floor look a whole lot better. And when we come back, we're going in the aisles of the Home Depot to talk about some crazy Halloween decorations that are available right now. You're listening to today's Home Honor Radio.
4: Today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe.
0: Hello and welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. Danny Lipford here and it's time for us to go in the aisles of the Home Depot with our friend Danny Watson. And Danny, it just seems like people are decorating more for Halloween than ever before. So if you really want to go all out and have that one house in the neighborhood that everybody's going to go by during the Halloween season, what do you suggest that people do?
5: Well, Halloween has become more popular than ever, I believe. And, you know, if you're looking at some of these great um, life-size characters, you come on down to the Home Depot, check out some of our skeletons. You know, those are super popular, uh, and if you really want to go for the scary stuff, take a look at the 12-and-a-half-foot animated Predator of the Night, the animated Hovering Witch uh, with a twisted grin, those red glowing eyes, that crackling laughter. I mean, some of this stuff is pretty scary, but I think the kids will love it. Also, the eight-foot animated smoldering Reaper of Souls. This guy is very scary. Glowing red (laughs) eyes, you know, light up, and then, you know, really it's just going to cause quite the terror. But, you know, if you're looking for something a little more fun, then look at some of the Disney characters. There's uh, Disney's Night Before Christmas, the uh, giant-sized animated Jack Skellington, Uh, you know, lifelike movements, his face illuminates with LED lights. There's also the seasonal Yoda, you know, a lot of fun Looks very realistic Uh, Also Ursula with the eels And she's an inflatable seven, Seven foot LED And also seven foot wide And she's got bright colors You know black and purple tentacles I think the kids would love that Also there's a whole mix of swamp spirits and, you know, there's also uh, all the other things you want to add, the ghostly graveyard smash hits like the uh, posable skeletons, the tombstones. And, you know, you want to add that fog machine that's just going to create the space that uh, is really going to make it stand out.
0: Boy, somebody can really have a fantastic uh, attraction, really. And, and it's kind of cool, you know, when you when you have all of the kids that are coming through. And here you have the versatility of making it as scary as you want or let it be a little more friendly with some of the Disney characters and that type of thing. But, you know, the LED lights and the animation of these things really uh, it just amazes me every year that you can have that in your yard, plug it in, it blows up, it starts animating and doing all of this kind of things. Uh, pretty amazing things that they uh, have available right now
5: yeah they look so real and just like you said it's really nice to be able to pack them away in a small space they don't take that take up that much room in the garage or or wherever you store your stuff also don't forget danny we have so many pumpkins right now it's a front of the stores are just loaded with pumpkins and everything just to give you that harvest look and
0: uh, all that stuff looks nice kind of at the front door Okay, you can go down to your local Home Depot right now and pick up a few of these things, or you can go to HomeDepot.com and order it, and I would suggest you do that as soon as you possibly can. Danny Watson, always great to, to be with you, and, uh, and I know you're busy right now with all of this moving stock in and moving stock out.
5: Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me on.
2: Yeah, Danny, I mean, when I was growing up, there was very little decoration done, right? Someone might put out a couple of pumpkins and some Uh corn stalks, but now it's amazing with the inflatables and the giant skeletons and stuff. And it's kind of nice. You know, first of all, it's creating a huge industry for people in that business because they used to only make Christmas decorations, right? So yeah, I love it. I, you know, I think I live in New England, so I love the autumn and uh, people want to decorate. You know, I'm all for it.
0: Hey, let's get back to the Today's Homeowner Hotline. Roberta's on the line now from Maine. Roberta, welcome to the show, and tell us what's going on uh, at your house.
4: Great. Thanks for putting me on. I've got of an course. issue with my shower.
0: Okay. All right. What's going on with that shower?
4: Well, I've got a condo that, that the shower was installed about 20 years ago, and it's an acrylic two-piece shower, shower huh. bathtub, okay. and it has um, a seam about a foot and a half up from the floor. It's a horizontal seam. And it seems as though uh the glue is leaking from it from the back of it oh. and i'm and I'm wondering if caulking would be the fix
2: so Roberta, if I'm understanding this correctly, there's a horizontal seam a foot and a half up from the from the top of the tub
4: uh, from the bottom of the
2: tub from the bottom of the tub
4: right this so is, is, is an it... install like a like a bath fitter type of Right. Shower bath.
2: It's where the walls meet the top of the tub.
4: Yes.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, well um it's a little unusual for any type of glue cuz usually glue would, you know, harden um up right really I know. Tight yeah. now. Now, a lot of times, you know, maybe they'll use something more like um, silicone that will stay flexible, you know, as the hot and the cold in a shower mm-hmm. is going to move a little bit, that kind of thing. But I do think you can, at the seam, um, just look at it, get, get a light, make sure you're really looking at it well, clean everything out that you possibly can, probably with a thin bladed putty knife and really do that. I would even take a, a blow dryer, just kind of heat it up just a little bit around there. Um uh-huh. for, for the drying, if nothing, you know, if nothing more, uh, but just to really make it nice and dry. I think get a really good tube of either clear silicone or w- whatever color, are, are the walls white or off-white?
4: Uh, They're white.
0: Okay. And just sure. get some uh, white silicone and okay. then just real carefully feed as much of that as you can in, wipe it down nice and clean. And uh, I think that's probably all you'll need to do. It's a great thing to do in order to make it look cleaner, nicer and you just want to make sure that you let it dry um at least overnight before you sure. use before you use the shower just so that it um really gets nice and and uh, dry during the process.
4: Mhm. Okay, so there's no downside to doing what you suggest
0: i mean no not at all not that i can see i mean it it is a bit of a mystery of what is leaking out of there because you know um it generally would be solid and uh but you know you never know what they used and (laughs) and what's taking place and uh back there but this should um, eliminate that unsightly part of it that's that's leaking out through that seam.
4: good all right my solution.
0: And good news is that you're only going to be buying one tube of caulk. So that's a a good, buy a good brand of, um, silicone caulk and you'll be glad you did. You probably will never have to do it again.
4: Hopefully not.
0: That's right. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you. Well, well, best of luck on that. We certainly appreciate you being a part of the show today and hope you have a great weekend.
2: Thanks. You as well. Yeah, unlike a cast iron tub, these fiberglass or acrylic tubs—they have a bit of flex in them, and that is always going to open up that seam. Uh-huh. You know, especially exactly. if you take a lot of tubs, because imagine filling that with water. I mean, how? What is that? I don't mm-hmm. know. It might be hundreds of pounds of water sink yeah, push of that push that so, down. Yeah. And yeah.
0: and you kind of wonder, you know, how they put that mastic that they use for like mirrors—they right. put on that remains f- flexible. It's just right. like a blob. I almost wonder if maybe that was used, and for some reason, maybe it was positioned a little close to the seam, and then a little bit of thermal action of hot, cold, sure. hot, cold. Yeah. You know, something like that. There's, there's always mysteries in homes, and we like to try to figure out what's going on with it. Hey, if you send us an email, we're going to try to get to your email during this next section of the show. We're just going to take a short break. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio.
4: Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Deitch Coatings. Easily roll on your new stone countertop, garage floor, and more in just a weekend with Deitch.
0: And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. Danny Lipford here along with my buddy Joe Truini, and we're going to tear into some emails. If you would like to send us one, do so anytime by going to todayshomeowner.com slash asked. This one came in from Susan. Susan writes in, the door on my old dishwasher leaked steam, damaging the side of the cabinet where it meets the toe kick. How can I fix it before installing a new dishwasher? Can a contractor remove the side panel of the cabinet and replace it with tile backer board? Well, Um, That can be done. The challenge on any of these, as we've talked about before, Joe, is, you know, if it's a stained cabinet matching a panel, especially an end panel, which is, you know, sizable, could be anywhere like two foot by three foot, um, it it is going to be problematic. You just can't... um, Uh, match that color unless you're really, really lucky on that. If it's paintable, then yes, you could remove that, put another thin piece in, paint it the same as the cabinets, assuming you have the color and you can go from there. But when you're talking about a toe kick, particularly if you're having a particle board type of material that you're working with, you introduce water or steam to a particle board toe kick, that thing could swell up, twice its size, right? That has to be replaced. You can't you can't just put something over that.
2: That that's exactly what I was thinking. If that's particle board, even MDF, medium density fireboard, it's going to absorb that moisture from the steam and swell up. And there's no way. There's no at that point you have to replace it. Um, if it's just wood, um, I'm not sure how much it could have damaged it other than blistering off the surface. They might be able if it's if it's even plywood, um, depending how long this has been an issue, I mean it, the steam could eventually ruin plywood too. But yeah, I guess they're gonna have to, they could, this on the side, I don't know how much of this is even uh, noticeable, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think they're going to have to, re- they're probably going to have to replace anything that's damaged, certainly to toe kick.
0: Here's another email from Bob in Missouri. I have an eight foot by eight foot garden shed that has quite a lean to it. Any suggestions on how we can straighten it out? Well, that's a that's a tricky question. I mean, um, generally, yeah. you're, you you want to take your level and go along and try to identify where the problem area is, isolate where the the pronounced part of that is, and then there's um ways there's steel straps that are used in new construction that you can reinforce walls with the steel straps. But normally, putting a one by four. Inside might be putting it in there diagonally. You might even be putting in there right across everything—a one by four or two by four—to pull back in and straighten up wherever it is. And I would suggest um, using screws instead of nails. And it just takes a little bit of uh, working with that uh, level to make sure you find out where the problem area is. Uh, Joe, it may be just um, a couple studs that have maybe have a little water damage and has shifted a little bit.
2: Yeah, Bob doesn't mention whether this is a wooden or metal shed. I'm guessing it's metal because those tend to lean almost immediately. As soon as you close the door and you walk away, the thing starts leaning. Um, but, yeah, you would have to pull it up plumb, meaning straighten it out. And then, as Danny said, putting some diagonal bracing inside. I guess it doesn't matter whether it's wood or, or a metal shed. Um, and how do you pull it up straight? Well, if it's if it's really lo- like a metal shed, you could probably just push it plumb. And, right. And yeah. then have someone go inside. A w- wooden one would be, you know, a little more difficult. Now, we're assuming this is leaning, not sinking, you know, the foundations and sinking so that it's, you know, just settled. That, that's a separate issue. Um, but yeah, you can probably use some kind of ratcheting straps on one side and just pull it, you know, or ratchet it and, and pull it plumb and then go inside and put in that bracing.
0: You could put a strap around it and hook it to your truck <laughs> and just kind of ease up on a little pull bit. pull it into
2: and, your neighbor's property and, and let him it. pull it over it. into yeah, the neighbor's yard idea. and say,
0: hey, you yeah. may want to straighten those walls out there just a bit. There are a lot of different ways that you can do that. Let me get another one in from Irene in um, Arkansas. The vanity cabinet beneath our bathroom sink has a strange odor. There's no signs of water, and the cabinet is not damp. Where could the smell be coming from? Could the pipes be sweating? Please help. We don't want to cut open the cabinet floor if possible, and we put a moisture control product in it called Moisture Eliminator inside the cabinet, and it fills up in two weeks. Whoa. This odor only happens every now and then, not all the time.
2: Well, well there's um, a lot the, of moisture going yeah, on there's, there. there's a
0: lot of moisture going on there, and I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't some type of small leak that's maybe not visible, and maybe it's yeah. running down the line and getting underneath or something along those lines. So, um, And I'll tell you, cleaning the inside of that cabinet, lightly sanding it, and then and just taking a can of of anything, uh, any kind of spray paint primer or clear polyurethane and just spray the entire surface to seal up the pores of the wood will um, prevent any odors from getting down into those pores and staying there. Then you really need to uh, look carefully at cleaning um, any of the piping. Joe, we talk about, um, you know, pouring bleach down into the drain to sanitize yeah. it to try to clear it out. But every now and then, uh, that P-trap to remove it and really clean it it'll surprise you what you'll find in there and that could be where that smell um, is coming from but a good bright light look everywhere you can in there to see because i suspect you have a small leak hey when we come back here on today's homeowner radio it's simple solution time
4: Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Fluidmaster. Find out more at shop.fluidmaster.com.
0: And welcome back to the last part of the Today's Homeowner Radio Show for this week. And we saved the best for last, and a lot of people say the simple solution is just that. What do you have for us, Joe?
2: All right, Danny. um, Painting directly from a paint can with a brush is probably the most challenging. I mean, it's so easy to make a mess um, that there are several ways to minimize that. And so here's one. You're going to make a strike wire. It's called a strike wire. And what you do is you take a, a wire hanger and cut it You know, so that's maybe like three or four inches longer than the diameter of the paint can, whether it's a quart can or a gallon can, and set the wire on top of the can right in the middle and just bend the ends down. So each end is bent down at a 90 degree angle, then tape it in place. So this wire is going right across the top of an open can of paint. And now when you dip your paintbrush in, it's called a strike wire, because when you dip your your bristles into the paint, you can strike off the excess paint there's nothing worse than dipping your paintbrush in and trying to get to the surface while dripping paint all over the place. And um, this is particularly true if the can is full or nearly full. Because when it's almost empty, you can often tap the bristles on the side of the can. Well, that's great. But how do you do that when the, when the can's full of paint? This is how you do it. So you just dip in your paintbrush, wipe off the excess paint. By gently wiping your brussels on each side of the brush against this wire, the paint, of course, drips right back into the can, the excess paint, and then you can apply your paint without fear of it dripping all over the place.
0: Yeah, because if you wipe it on, you know, traditionally wiping it on the edge of the can, you definitely feel, don't want to do that. You're going to fill that um, whole uh, groove up there yeah. and it's going to dry, and then you're ready to put your paint lid back on, and it just can't do it. I mean, it just, right. won't, you know, won't happen. So, you know, a few of those little techniques like that can make painting so much easier and really a little more enjoyable than it can be if you have a, a big mess to deal with all the time. Again, you can go to today's slash simple solutions and see over 550 video versions of Joe's Simple Solutions. Again, it's todayshomeowner.com slash simple solution. Hey, also while you're there at today's todayshomeowner, uh, todayshomeowner.com slash stream, and you can see where you can see all of the Today's Homeowner television library on various different platforms like Roku, Pluto. Free V, LG TV, Channel 476, and many, many other places that you can watch all of these 25 years of work. Um, a lot of work went into those shows, and uh, we'd love for you to be able to enjoy them and pick up some tips that can help you around your house. And another thing I think about during this time of the year, you know, there's a lot of people that you probably know in your life that could use a little help. And it could be as simple as go over and rake somebody's yard, or maybe um, you're visiting your your grandmother or your aunt or uncle or something, and they mentioned, boy, I wish I uh, didn't have that rotten wood right by the front door. Use your time and talents to really help people out like that, especially during this time of the year. Because, you know, when they get, you know, physically challenged or older or so forth, they still want a nice looking house and, and still want to take care of everything. But sometimes they just can't. What a great present that you can uh, provide someone. Drop by Home Depot, pick up a few things, head over there and uh, make their house a little bit better looking. That's one of the best gifts that you can give. And it's getting around to that time of the year, Joe, where we really need to start thinking about helping everybody out.
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, the holidays are coming and people are moving. If you live in a cold weather climate like I do here in Connecticut, you know, They want to fix up their yards, especially raking and mowing and, you know, putting flower beds to rest. That takes a lot of work, especially Mm -hmm. for elderly or people who are physically challenged. So, yeah, I think that's a great idea to go out and help. And it takes almost no time. You'd be surprised if you go over mean you spend one or two hours, Mm -hmm. you know, it might take the homeowner five hours if they could even do it. So, yeah, yeah, if they're
0: able to at all. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And it yeah. doesn't only have to be a friend or a relative, it could be a neighbor who needs a little extra help. So, uh, yeah, it is a great time of year to give back.
0: Well, that's pretty much going to wrap up the Today's Homeowner Radio Show for this week and certainly um, appreciate you dropping by and spending some of your busy weekend with us. I'm Danny Lipford, along with my buddy, Joe Truini, our producer engineer, Scott Gardner and Brad Rogers and the whole Today's Homeowner family. Hoping you have a great weekend and come back and be with us again next week here on Today's Homeowner Radio.